Hello. Welcome to It Brings Me Joy. I'm your host, Gareth B. Jenkins. It Brings Me Joy is a new show in which I plan to explore the good things in life. Each episode, I'll be joined by a special guest. Together, we'll talk about one item, one subject, or one idea that conjures in them a state of well-being. Today, I'm joined by Richie Bosworth. Richie is head brewer and one of the founding directors of Twisted Barrel Ale, a British craft brewery based in the West Midlands. Richie, welcome. Hello, Gareth. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Today, we're going to talk about beer. It's probably not surprising given your role with Twisted Barrel. So, what do you find enjoyable about beer? Um, beer, it's a, a complex drink. The most complex of drinks, in my opinion, because of the, the manner in which it's made. Um, you can draw inspiration from so many different ingredients. Um, with other alcoholic drinks, you know, spirits, wine, cider, you're normally limited by the ingredients. Wine has to be made from grapes, cider from apples, um, spirits from hard alcohol, basically, <laughs> at the end of the day. Uh, beer, you, you kind of, you work, the world is your oyster when it comes to ingredients and pairing them together to create wonderfully different characteristics in a beer. And it's that complexity that I am attracted to as someone that, from an early age, kind of eschewed simple things and kind of naturally gravitated towards the more complex, the more interesting things in life. So I think that's why, for me, um, it's a, a lifelong love, really. Can you tell me how you first uh, got into beer? And as part of that, is there a difference between getting into beer and trying beer for the first time? So not just drinking beer, but being into it. Yeah, I think trying beer for the first time, I mean, I'd have to go back to when I was 12, maybe, something like that. And I don't know if Breaker Lager and K-Cider <laughs> in Better Memorial Park really counts as a trying alcohol or beer for the first time. I guess as a youngster, um, growing up in 80s, 90s England, alcohol, beer was all about getting drunk, really, wasn't it? And that's mm. kind of the binge drinking mentality that's always been prevalent in this country. So... I guess getting into alcohol was my teens and getting drunk, but appreciating beer didn't arrive until much later on, probably my mid-twenties or so. So my relationship with beer or alcohol was quite dysfunctional for the first kind of 12 years, really, until I actually started to appreciate what I was drinking. What started that transition? So what made you go from having beer to get drunk to appreciating it as something to enjoy in and of itself? It was purely actually kind of the circumstances I found myself in because I was living in New Zealand at the time and most of the beer I was used to drinking, but by this point in time I generally drank lager, vodka now and then but very infrequently and I liked bourbon. I've never been someone who's really, I'm not into cider, I'm not into wine. I'm, but in New Zealand, like, whereas my go-to drink would be lager, they didn't really have kind of mainstream lagers in New Zealand. Being out the way a little bit and not being as hot as Australia where you needed lager to survive basically because it's so damn hot there. In New Zealand the, temp the climate's a bit more like the UK. So most of the beers made by the bigger brewers in New Zealand were all these strange brown looking ales that I'd never really tried before. Um, Spates and Tuas were like the kind of most popular ones and as a comparison to England that would be like a pint of doom bar. Um, so when the choice is no longer there to drink what you used to drink in, you just start trying new things I guess and that's one of the part like one of the great things about travelling is trying new things but being in that situation I think we were living in Queenstown because that's the first place we really settled in New Zealand for a few months and just realising that drinking lager wasn't really an option anymore so let's try these other things holy shit these have got flavour like what's going on here this is weird um, that was the start of the journey really 
that journey continued when you returned to the UK. So was that an immediate thing when you got back to the UK? Did you hunt out Doombar or equivalents? Or? <laughs> it was in essence, yeah. I mean, we came back to the UK and realised, because I've got a few friends that had been into Real Ale for many years, really, before I was or most of our friendship group were. Um, but then when I got back, I'd realised that we're all getting to that age, mid-twenties, where you start to drift away from lager into more interesting drinks. So um, it carried on when we got back in terms of me encouraging um, a lot of my close friends to go on brewery tours and the like. Um, resulted in us starting up a podcast about beer. Um, and that really was that journey of going from just drinking it because it's what I like to drink now, but then, holy shit, there's quite a lot here. And I get quite fanatical about things. Like I have, I've had like big loves in my life. You know, it started out reading. You know, that was my big love as a kid. Um, then it moved on to football. Then it moved on to basketball. Um, then it just moved on to being, you know, uh, going out on town. You know, listening to music, that kind of thing. Um, and I guess it was at that point where I'd lost a lot of those lifelong passions, and I was looking for something new. And so I just really jumped head first into the world of beer really and kind of immerse myself in it. At some point you decided to go beyond just enjoying a drink and to begin to begin brewing yourself. So what made you decide to do that? That was a purely practical reason based on the podcast we were doing um, because we were getting together once a month, maybe every six weeks or so, record a podcast. Uh, I used to focus on different regions of the UK or maybe focus on a particular brewery and we'd be kind of critically appraising their beers without any real knowledge whatsoever other than I've tried a few beers so I must know what I'm talking about um, and it was in the process of that that um, Chris and I who kind of did most of the donkey work on the podcast just kind of said to each other I think maybe it would help the podcast if we actually brewed some beer ourselves and started to get an idea of what this actually involved because um, then we could it would better inform the podcast and make for a better experience for the uh, dozen listeners or so that we had um, so yeah it was a case of wanting to improve the podcast that we got into brewing um, our partners got us brewing kits for Christmas that year sat in the cupboard for probably six months got to the height of summer we started making beer from kits and that's what started it really the podcast was very soon forgotten um, because brewing beer was way more interesting than talking about beer um, and yeah, it went from there. That was that was where I went down the rabbit hole, really. Okay. How long ago was that? Uh, we're going back to probably mid twenty twelve. Okay. Mid twenty twelve when we first started brewing from kits. Um, and I guess it was looking away because it was that time in our life where everyone started getting married and stuff like that. So we had all these events to make beers for stag do's and weddings and things like that so we were getting to try out our creations and all of our friends but we weren't getting critical feedback we were just giving beer to our friends and they were getting drunk and going great yeah not wanting to jeopardize their free alcohol lifeline um, so it wouldn't give us the best critical feedback so that was where the brewery became an idea about a year on from that let's start getting some actual critical feedback for people that don't know us and, and are actually paying for this because <laughs> then we'll get some honest critical feedback as to whether we can make good beer or not. So could you tell me a little bit more about your journey from beer enthusiast to professional? Yeah certainly it was one of those um, self-taught things really. Um, 
you're lucky these days that there's a lot of literature, a lot of resources around beer and brewing. Um, there's a rabid homebrew community forum online. Um, most of it's coming from the states, really, who are leaders in this and have been doing it for 20 or 30 years. Their vibrant homebrew community is what started the craft beer movement in the US that then really got imported into the UK with the starting of Breedle in 2007. Um, and yeah, that's what kind of started things off in terms of the movement. But there's all this um, available literature online as well as critical books, um, How to Brew by John Palmer, um, How to Set Up a Microbrewer, I think by Ted Brunin. Um, there's about three or four kind of absolutely must read books that you get, you read through them. You read through every forum online, you start reading about what the actual logistics are of setting up a brewery. Um, and I guess it's just immersing yourself in all that and doing the research because there wasn't really a forum where you could go and talk to people about any of this. And what we were trying to do at that point in time, set up a very, very small scale brewery in a garage, no one had really done in the UK before, so we were kind of the first of that generation of new home brewers setting up commercially in their houses and going from there really. So it's just a case of every every spare second you have you spend reading about beer. I remember like a trip to Brussels with my wife and every time I got back to like the hotel room it was like right get the book out you know keep on reading kind of thing like that was my idea of a holiday. Um, so yeah, you just was she a new it. wife at this time? Is, it, is this how you spend no, your money? No, no, no. She, she loves reading as well in hotel rooms, luckily. Um, so she wasn't too annoyed with me. Um, but yeah, it's things like that. And it's dreaming, really, isn't it? It's kind of all the loves I'd had until then. Reading. I was never going to be an author. I don't have the imagination to be an author. Footballer. I was never going to be athletically competent enough to be a footballer. Uh, basketball. I could have played actually basketball in this country. I had a um, few people who played for local Coventry Crusaders saying you're good enough to play professionally. Um, but I don't know, I just haven't got that athletic dedication, I think, to commit myself to something physically kind of based like that. Um, when I was into music, um, I did actually like set up my own kind of music promotions company, bringing bands to Coventry that I wanted to see and putting on live gigs. Um, but again, it's not something you can really build a career out of that. So. Um, brewing, it was finally finding a passion for something that you could actually make a living at. Not a good living. You know, I'm not going to retire on my uh, on my brewing earnings, um, but at least I could be doing something I love um, and something that for me represents lifelong learning because it's such an in-depth topic and there are so many things about making beer that we still don't even understand even though we've been doing it for hundreds of years. Um, I think that's what attracts me. That almost alchemical is it you know that kind of that 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 bit of it that is still kind of misunderstood the science um, of it yeah, yeah the science of it and you know I enjoyed science a bit at school and I did well in science at school but it's nice to be able to kind of just off those bits of the brain that you haven't yeah. used in so long so yeah I think that journey from just passionate to actually making a career out of it is just about hard work research um, daring to dream and daring to make that jump from I'm fed up and I'm fed up of moaning about my life and not ha and having a job I don't like to actually doing something you like and trying to build something from scratch so yeah. so from that you've not always been a brewer um, no. are you happy to have made the jump from whatever it was you were doing before and if you're happy to say what you were doing before hmm. to now being a brewer 
Yeah, I mean, I was an accountant for 17 years, uh, fell into accountancy, um, had a little bit of a mini breakdown in sixth form, didn't really enjoy full-time education and was getting very sick of it, so the idea of doing another three or four years full-time at university just was sending shivers down my spine. Um, the head of our sixth form just said, you know, you're probably well suited to accountancy. My husband's accountancy firm is just, um, sorry, not his firm, but his accountants that he uses, has just had a job going, why don't you go and apply for that? And I remember, you know, starting on five and a half grand a year in my accountancy job back in 1997 or something like that, and working my way up and getting fully qualified by the time I was 23, I think, and earning a good wage, but never really feeling at home in a kind of corporate world, you know, the suited and booted world. That wasn't really me. Um, anyone that knows me will be surprised that that's what I did. And virtually every week of my accountancy career life, I'd meet a new person and they'd go, you're an accountant, really? And I think that's kind of, you know, people telling you that you maybe shouldn't be doing this, <laughs> like you're not an accountant. Um, not in the way, I guess, my manner and the way I talk and my kind of personality weren't really best suited to the role and whilst I was very good at it I excelled at it you know I was it streamlined into a management position and the firm I was working for wanted to, to be a full-time partner within like kind of three to four years and kind of be an owner of the business I just knew deep down that I didn't want to do that um, and so it was an easy decision to make to give it up but to give up that level of comfort and salary is, is the hard bit and I guess the only time you ever have kind of regret it you know it's been five years now just over five years since I gave up a proper full-time job and salary and there were points in those five years you know where you're literally starving and you can't afford lunch and you've got no money and you know that you can't pay yourself any money from the business and you've not eaten for 12 hours but you've just moved three tons of beer around and you seriously are kind of wondering what the hell have I done here <laughs> what have I got myself into um, and still five years on, I still can't pay myself a proper wage from a business, but that's the problem in being in a rapidly expanding world like beer, you know. So there's those little bits of kind of, you know, you miss the days of comfort and the days of being able to buy things that you like, but to be honest, when you haven't got money and a lot of that kind of drops away, you don't, you don't bother that much anymore about not buying your favourite latest CD from your band or going to the cinema to watch a movie. It's, there's nothing I'd say I regret still five years on. Um, it's just some of those creature comforts that you give up really and you know my, my knee's really bad now from, from years of really hard labour and loads of heavy lifting and stuff like that so it takes a toll on your body, it takes a toll on your kind of mind as well because it's stressful running a business you know my grey hairs have definitely increased massively over the last five years um, but beyond all of that there's I don't, I think there's only been one day in the last five years where I've woke up thinking I don't want to be there today. And that's only one day in five years, whereas literally for the 20 years, 17 years before that doing accountancy, I woke up every morning thinking I don't want to be there today. I think a lot of people can probably relate to yeah. that. <laughs> so I, I was going to ask if it's a love-hate relationship, but I think you've covered that quite nicely. I think there's love and hate with running a business, but every small business owner will, will tell you that, you know, you're your own boss, which is fantastic. You don't have to put up with people that annoy the piss out of you. Um, you've still got staff to manage and people to kind of fulfill functions, obviously, for you as a business. Um, and that side of it, obviously, is difficult because you always just want 12 clones of yourself in the mm. business because, you know, everything would run amazingly well. Um, 
but people management is part and parcel of running a business. The beer world itself um, is immensely love-hate. I mean, it's such a, a difficult world to be in, you know. Um, critical feedback. I mean, it's so great waking up on a Sunday morning, picking up your phone, and you've got, like, five people telling you online that your beer was shit last night. It's like... Great start to the day. <laughs> I presume um, you don't get as many people telling you beer is great because they've just enjoyed it and gone home. And well, that's the thing. It's yeah. the kind of world where when people enjoy a beer, that they'll rate it on their online apps and yeah. stuff like that. And it's great to get that kind of feedback. But you know, one out of every twenty-five check-ins is going to be someone hating on you, and it's that one that you remember. So it's difficult to live in a world where that critical feedback mechanism is right there in your hand constantly all the time. Um, I mean, imagine if you had a boss who, like, you know, <laughs> rang you at half seven on a Sunday morning and went, shit! <laughs> it's not, like, the best feeling in the world to get. Um, but, so there's that aspect of it that can be difficult to kind of get over. You know, every brewer will talk of the intense, rage-filled moments you have for probably half an hour after every check-in that's completely stupid, you know. Oh, I bought this stout and it's dark. I hate dark beers, one out of five, you know. That kind of stuff is is just all over the place in the beer world, like people not understanding what they're drinking, that kind of thing, that's very frustrating. Um, and then the, the problems in a growing industry as well that kind of, that are very difficult to deal with and hold your lips, because you know, you, you want to remain professional about things, but you see people doing things and you just wonder, what are you doing? That's terrible, you know. Should I point it out or should I not? There's a great example with a beer festival being cancelled today in Manchester that's going on just due to a brewery messing up, and you're just like, how the hell have you managed to mess up that badly and yet no one's blaming you because you're immune from criticism? So it's that kind of whole fanaticism and fanboys mentality in the craft beer world is very difficult to deal with. Um, you have like Teflon breweries that can't be criticised for any reason whatsoever because there's a kind of online fanboy brigade that will turn on you in an instant and crucify you if you say anything critical of certain breweries. Whereas anyone else it's fair game, you know, that kind of that stratification that's occurring in the beer world is, is a difficult thing to deal with. Um, because objectively you can taste test their beers blind against other breweries and there's no difference between them so you know what what's why is this why is everyone fanatical about this kind of particular brewery that's the kind of thing that can get frustrating um, but I guess that's again the same in most industries you're always going to have the people that are immune to criticism so you know you, you can't get too over the top about these things you can't dwell on them too much you just need to concentrate on yourself concentrate on improving at what you do every day um, and trying to make your processes better, source better ingredients all the time, make better beer all the time. And if you're not focused on that, if you're focused on negative feedback from idiots <laughs> or moaning about how other people have got it good and I haven't, then you're just going to lose sight of why you're actually doing it really. You mentioned your business partner Chris. Some brewers and some breweries are just one-man bands you have a partner and like you said you've got other people working for the business is that important to you and this kind of uh, is it doing it with other people an important aspect of this and um, there's great kind of feeling of community and camaraderie within the craft beer world um, but unfortunately along those stratification lines that are happening at the moment like certain breweries will only work with certain other breweries and things like that that's 
a little bit sad to see really because it wasn't the case probably three or four years ago. Camaraderie, community, working together, they're, they're all key to this industry. You can do it on your own but I wouldn't recommend it personally. The problem is everything's geared around how much beer you can produce in one go and what your capacity as a brewery is and you have to be quite a big brewery in order to start affording to employ people um, because the tax burden is so high in this country on breweries. Um, so I can see why there's a lot of uh, one-person bands in the industry. Um, but from kind of, I, I had a good kind of period. There's been periods in the last five years, one for about three or four months and one for two months where I was on my own doing everything day to day and it was really, really, really tough. You know, really tough mentally, absolutely bone-breaking physically to do it. Um, and I wouldn't wish that to happen again anytime soon, to be honest. It's, it's really, really hard to, to run a brewery on your own. It's not something I would recommend to most people, unless you're superhuman or very young and can cope with it. <laughs> You've been brewing now as an enthusiast and as a professional for well over five years now. What keeps you interested? Um, for me, it's the, the, ever, the ever learning. So, you know, you're always learning things constantly, all the time. Um, it's the progression in beer styles that are happening. I mean, for anyone that doesn't know, like, beer has many, many distinct styles of beer. So it's not just lager and ale. Um, within lager, you've got Zwickel beer, Keller beer, Hells, Pilsner, you know, that list could go on for ages. Within ale, there's even more. Um, and all those styles have defined characteristics. Um, and learning those kind of characteristics and applying them to new styles, I've probably only brewed about a third of the beer styles that there are, and I'd love to have a go at all of them at some point in my life. Um, so there's that lifelong learning, but there's also not just about the styles of beer you make, the chemistry behind it and what's happening. Um, that's kind of learning that will keep going on forever as well. To, to call yourself like a master brewer, which is kind of like the, the highest you can really go in brewing, you're talking 25 to 30 years of industry experience and learning and I'm only one-fifth on that journey and I still consider myself a novice so that for me is what's great. With accountancy you learnt the rules of accountancy and how to apply them and they're pretty set in stone but accountancy world changes in terms of kind of generally accepted accounting practice changes quite regularly but the basic fundamental things of double entry bookkeeping apply forever and there's not really that same element of lifelong learning you can get it's just different practical applications whereas in brewing um, being self-taught not having had formal training I can just keep on learning all the time uh, the opposite to drink um, just any kind of like nice little hoppy pale something like that is fine by me so you know I'm not completely beer style out that suddenly takes over the world and everyone wants to try that style so it's like right okay that's hot right now let's see how we make that kind of style and start trialing things um, because when there's kind of over 2,700 breweries now in the UK you've got to stand out and you've got to be making an effort to try and keep up with current trends um, otherwise we'll just be forgotten. Of the styles you have tried and made so far are there any favourites? Um, favourites to make or favourites to drink? Let's do both. Do both. <laughs> um, favourites to make, um, probably more complex, big styles of beer. Um, so big multi-imperial stouts or Belgian chapels or quads or barley wines. They're big, complex beasts. Um, 
with brewing you have to be patient because from the day of brewing it to actually getting to drink it you might be talking four weeks but with those bigger complex beasts where you might be talking six months that's, that's kind of real patience to make that style of beer and, and have you know the guts to not rush it you know to know when it's ready to keep trying it and trying it and trying it till you know it's ready for release they're the ones that are more exciting to make because you tend to learn more um, you learn more kind of technically and you learn more about being patient and waiting for the right um, flavors to develop so for me they're more interesting to brew um, but completely on the flip side the opposite to drink um, just any kind of like nice little hoppy pale something like that is fine by me so you know I'm not complex in the things that I go to to drink. I do drink all styles, but when I've had a long day and I think I need a beer, that beer is generally just a hobby pale ale. You know, I wouldn't turn towards a complex barrel-aged imperial style to have after a long sweaty day at work. You know, I'd be like, what's 4% and what can I sink in about 10 seconds flat and what smells nice? <laughs> That's about it, really. <laughs> If someone else is interested in finding out more about beer, not just the drinking side, but the broader subject, where should they start? Um, firstly, educate yourself, go and get a few books and start reading. Um, the really, really tough bit of it is trying as much beer as possible and making sure that you appreciate what different styles are and then looking into those styles, researching them, how they're made. You can do all of that yourself. but. One of the best things about the beer world is community. So wherever you are, look out if there's any homebrew club kind of chapters or groups or communities in your area. Plug into them. The best thing about the homebrew community is everyone wants to help each other. It's not like the kind of higher end of the commercial craft beer market or anything where things start to get competitive. You know, the homebrew community is just people that love beer and love meeting people that love beer and love talking about beer and love sharing tips and love just getting together in your mate's garage, having a few beers and just making something delicious together. Um, so try and find a community that you can learn from. And if you can't find that physical community, go online because those communities are online and everyone will be willing to help you on there. Um, but don't be that person that doesn't do the research yourself and just goes on and just constantly asks people annoying questions all the time because those people kind of get on my nerves it's like at least do some reading yourself before coming and asking the hive mind constantly all the time you know I want to do this today tell me how to do it so that kind of attitude I think gets people's back up a little it's like you know read research get a little brew kit at home just practice you know practice makes perfect at brewing have to practice for a very long time, um, do many, many practicing and drink all that practicing. Um, so you've got to uh, kind of take that into account. But um, yeah, that's what I'd say. Really. Richie, it's been a pleasure to talk to you. Before you go, would you mind taking part in our short quiz? The quiz I like to call Leaving on a High. Sounds good, man. I like to leave anywhere high. I mean, on a high. <laughs> okay, I'll say a word and you just need to give me an answer that brings you joy. Let's start. Book. House of Leaves by Mark Z. Danielewski. Brings me joy and terror. <laughs> Film or TV show? Uh, Empire Strikes Back. Food? Burgers. Song? Ooh. Probably all along the watchtower. Place? Place. Uh, here, my brewery. It's where I spend most of my time, so I've got to like it. <laughs> and finally, person? My lovely wife, Jen. Richie, thanks so much for joining us today. You can find out more about Twisted Barrel Ale at twistedbarrelale.co.uk. Their beers are available to order online, as well as from bars across the UK, Europe 
and further afield. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at BringsMeJoyPod. Thanks for listening and goodbye.